Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. One Million by One Million, as you know, is the first and only global virtual accelerator in the world, run out of Silicon Valley, but bringing the program to every entrepreneur in every corner of the world. I'm here today with Mark Hasbrook of Dundee Venture Capital. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for asking me to be on the show. I'm honored. <laughs> so tell us about Dundee. What is your focus? Tell us about the fund. What do you like to invest in? Let's get to know you. Sure. Uh, good question. So we started Dundee Venture Capital in 2010 with the idea from Omaha, Nebraska, that there was probably some really good early stage companies that needed some funding. Uh, and mm -hmm. how did I know? How did I know this? I, I had started a company in Omaha called Hay Needle, uh, mm -hmm. and Hay Needle was an online retailer for stuff that's for your house. When we needed some capital, we went out to the markets locally to to raise a half million dollars, and nobody really cared. It was kind mm -hmm. of a pat pat on the head, go away kind of thing. I thought, God, it's got to be easier than this. But we ended up getting funding from Silicon Valley and from New York City. Mm -hmm. And so the, the seed for this really started with that, that, you know, there are good companies, there are talented people. Uh, why don't we try and maybe educate this area a little bit further and uh, begin to help founders realize their dreams? And so we started Nundy Venture Capital with that in mind in 2010. Okay. And what, um, talk to us a little bit about the Omaha uh, ecosystem. What is there? What it? What's? What still needs to be built? What kind of? Um, what size community do you have in terms of startups? Give us a little bit of a view into Omaha. Sure, Omaha is evolving uh, pretty rapidly. I'd, I'd say it's maybe like Kansas City was about five years ago, or or even Chicago ten to fifteen years ago. Uh, so there, there's a realization that first of all, you can build good companies anywhere. And we do have good talent and access to talent uh, through universities, through other startups, uh, and also through corporate innovation programs where there's been a lot of graduates from larger companies that go on to start businesses. So number one, the, the hurdle of can I do it here gets, gets jumped over pretty quickly. Number mm -hmm. two, the, the cost to do business in a market like this, while never really should be a deciding factor, it truly is pretty cheap. So it, um, a dollar goes a lot farther in the Midwest. Um, and, and then number three, what we're seeing are graduates from uh, some of these other startup companies going on to realize, I have an idea. I just need a couple people. I want to test it. I want to get to the market. And I'd say in the last five years, uh, there's probably been a couple hundred new startups that have just blossomed. Mm -hmm. um, and so... We also spend a lot of time in Minneapolis and in Chicago and in Kansas City, uh, Denver and Boulder, and so we actually have offices in Minneapolis and Chicago for that reason because it seemed as though those markets, uh, particularly for what we're looking to invest in, needed our help. Mm -hmm. so, um, so you invest beyond Omaha. You also invest in other parts of the Midwest um, ecosystem. Right. right. We started with a $2 million fund in 2010 to really just test the market and see if there really truly was demand 
We learned that there was, uh, so we raised a second fund, which was $18.5 million, and then we just closed last year on a, our third fund, which is $31 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we typically like to invest on average two hundred and fifty dollars to $750,000 in a seed round. Yeah. So it's sort of it's right after friends and family, maybe, um, you know, and credit cards are exhausted. So we like to come <laughs> and give a little bit of structure to that to that cap table. And and but more importantly, all of us are operators. And there's a lot of people who say, oh wow, an operator never makes a good investor. Um, but but I just I think that's absolutely not true, because the empathy, particularly at those starting early, early days are, is critical to understand what a founder's going through and, and how to hit those key performance indicators, sort of hold their hand, if you will, and then let them run. Yeah. So you know, that, that philosophy of operators do not make good investors does not exist in Silicon Valley. So in Silicon Valley, operators are highly valued. Yeah, I, I hear it. It's really interesting. I hear it a lot uh, because I think what you have is a mindset in the Midwest because of insurance, because of private equity, because right. of hedge funds. They have a quantitative analysis approach right. to invest to investing. Early stage venture capital is not about quantitative at all. Not not at all. Not at all. So there's a there's a big um, education that that's going underway and and just getting money off the sidelines and teaching people what the asset class of early stage venture capital means. So um, what about sectors? Um, Early stage, yes. What kinds of businesses do you like to invest in? B2B, B2C, any particular sector preference? Not really, because I think what we see from uh, Dallas to Minneapolis and Denver to Pittsburgh is just a variety of companies. So we're, we're pretty agnostic when it comes to that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, most of us have some good B2C experience. Uh, that doesn't mean that's our only sole focus. So it's it's a variety of things. Okay. We've made about thir- 30 investments, and they're all over the map. Okay. And um, when you say you like to put in 250 to 750K in a seed round, um, what is it that you're looking to see in terms of validation before you're willing to write that check? Well, we've done some pre-product, pre-revenue companies. Um, so what, what we've seen is, is a team. We've seen a big market. We've seen uh, maybe this is their second or third startup. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're as early as that to companies that have a couple million dollars in annual run rate. Um, but normally it's, you know, do they have a handful of customers? Are those customers repeating as customers? Mm-hmm. And is it truly a large enough market to, to put money into because this is a 10-year partnership? Any way yeah. you strike it. Okay. So, so tell me a bit about the 30-odd companies that you've invested in. What um, Some highlights, what, some, that's something that gives us a view into how you look at companies. And So choose a few examples, a few case studies, and walk us through your thinking and why you chose to invest in those. Well, sure. There's, uh, there's one that actually just got announced as a, uh, an exit last week called Ad Structure, based in Chicago. And uh, these, uh, the two founders of this company were 
very, very smart, very determined to solve a problem that they had seen exist uh, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we love those where somebody says, God, this is a problem. Why is no one solving it? So I'm going to solve it. It basically was a voice technology. And um, they, they were actually just tooling along, doing just fine, and uh, got an offer to acquire the business and agreed to, to sell it. Uh, these are guys that I would back again because they have uh, unusual vision, very disciplined uh, and, and methodical when it comes to operating the company, but realize that there's a bucking bronco kind of a deal every single day to running a company. And when we see that they don't get flustered over that, we like that. <laughs> and what is their business? Uh, its name was Ad Structure. What do they do? So it's, it was a voice, basically a voice technology that, you know, when you're looking for something, uh, what, where they were headed was just think about trying to purchase something for your kitchen and you want to, say, a television to go over the fireplace. Uh, what you typically have to do is type in a uh, 42-inch television and you get television cables and you get television books and you get all sorts of stuff as a result. What, what theirs is is just a voice technology that says, look, I'm looking for a television for my kitchen. I think it could be 40 inches, but it could be 60 inches um, and the thinnest one possible. And what comes up are the results that synthesize all of that down to the things that truly match. So it's more just conversational. And, and conversational commerce, I think, is really something that is it's going to be a lot more common. And how do they go to market? Where would I encounter this technology? So say um, Target or a Best Buy. uh, I see. Bizarre Voice is is who purchased them. But but Target would, uh, in fact, Target was a customer and they were testing it uh, in their electronics department. And and it was really, uh, you know, it was working really, really nice. It's a great product. And how did you... Uh, at what stage do you encounter them, and how did you encounter them? So we have an office in Chicago, and I have a partner there. His name's David Mann, and uh, David is just—he's uh, very, very plugged into what's happening in Chicago. Uh, had heard about this at an event that he was at, uh, realized it was something that sounded like it might be a fit, and um, just reached out. It was that simple? And um, when you sold the company, what milestones had it gone through and what, um, how much money had you already put into the company or the, had the company raised in total? Uh, I think they had raised maybe a million and a half dollars total, mm-hmm. maybe a million, maybe a million and a quarter. So, you know, it wasn't a huge amount, but... Um, as and how did Bazaar Voice find them? I just think they saw, I'm not quite sure, but I think they saw the technology at a conference. Yeah. Interesting. So this, by the way, is a very good segue into one of my observations that we are in, you know, 2018. A lot of stuff have already been built. There aren't, and, and there's a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, money chasing quote-unquote unicorns all over the place, 
Mm-hmm. But there, are, there aren't that many unicorn opportunities. There are unicorn opportunities, of course, but commensurate with the number of firms right. looking for unicorns, I think it's, it's a disproportionately um, you know, big search. <laughs> In contrast, there's, there are lots of niche opportunities out there, and, and you could actually make very nice money by catering to these niche opportunities and, and seeking capital-efficient uh, business building and early exits. It sounds like your case yes. study that you just provided is a, is a good good uh, example of exactly that. That supports that very well. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. So I think that that's sort of what we're doing. I don't. Uh, yes, would we love to sell a company for a billion dollars? Of course. But the the problem in the capital markets for these growing companies is that the the Series A funds are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and therefore their need to deploy capital is instead of a of a half million dollar check or a million dollar check, they are they need to write three, four, five million dollar checks. That's right. And and the the seed becomes really the critical piece of when you truly can create the most value. And and to me, I think if the the markets were in, the valuations are very reasonable. Yep. And, and our model is, you know, let's, let's invest at a, uh, a reasonable value. Let's grow the company. Um, if the right acquirer comes along as a strategic tuck-in or a niche opportunity, because the bar has been set so low, you consider those opportunities. Right. And Here's how many of the 30-odd companies have you sold? Let's see. We've exited six companies so far. Can you talk a bit more about um, about the ones that you have exited, similar to what you just took me through? Um, could you take me through a few more case studies? Because I think this is very interesting for our listeners to look at a different style of venture capital, which I've been supporting. I mean, we obviously we do our share of venture style stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, you know the traditional venture style stuff. But I think this the niche venture capital is very interesting to me. It is, and I think the other ones, I, I, we can't disclose the companies and the amounts. I can walk you through the transactions because sure, that's fine. Um, but they're they're very similar to what we just talked about, uh, maybe just a little bit larger, and they were anywhere from uh, one year from investment to five years from investment. So okay. short short time frame. Uh, because opportunistic buyers showed up. We weren't auctioning the business or anything like that. So um, it, I just don't want our founders constantly looking over their shoulder thinking, should I sell my company now? Yeah. They should just operate and continue to grow. Uh, we'll continue to provide the capital and also find strategic investors that are really good upstream partners. And by being in Chicago and Minneapolis and all these other comfort cities, Regularly, we have good relationships with Series A and B funds that they know when we show them something, it's not going to be, you know, a junky deal. So, uh, but for the most part, every deal was almost exactly like the one I described to you with ad structure. And um, what is the geographical distribution of these six companies that you have exited? They're all in the Midwest, so from Texas to oh, Kansas City, 
uh, all, mid, all Midwest companies, between the mountains. Have you sold anything uh, from Omaha? No, we haven't, actually. It's interesting because, uh, you know, um, I've known for a long time Greg Gianforte, um, who ran for the governor of Montana. He uh, did this, this, he's a serial entrepreneur. He did the big hit was Right Now, which he did in Bozeman, Montana. Um, I mean, there was a Silicon Valley, uh, you know, office, but the bulk of the company was in Right, is in Montana. And Oracle eventually acquired the company for a lot of money. A company like that, an exit like that, well, a company like that and then an exit like that can change a place, right? Oh, yeah, totally. It changes the face of it. I mean, you look at Exact Target in Indianapolis, same same story. Yeah, and know, also lots, Utah lots has of, gone through several of these. Utah has yeah, been absolutely. has got Omniture and uh, and now several others, Pluralsight, Qualtrics, um, Right. Inside sales in Utah is coming along very nicely, so I'm, I'm hoping that you will find one of these uh, outlier hits in Omaha as well that will change the uh, well, <laughs> face of no, the we, place. We, absolutely, and, and we sold uh, we sold Hayneedle to Jet.com, and then Jet was sold to Walmart. Yeah. And but but here's the interesting thing that happens is the the people that were at those companies uh, leave to start something else. That's right. Because they were part of something from the beginning. Yeah. They, they yeah. were part of that, that energy and the determination to solve something. And, and, and they all linked arms together and, and truly worked on something that mattered. And then they saw it all the way through to an exit. And then they realized, you know what? We have good engineering talent. We have good sales talent. Why don't we, why don't we create something? So yeah. there's dozens of companies that have been started because of that one exit. And the same thing in Indianapolis, the same thing you're going to see in Montana. No matter how many government programs are thrown at entrepreneurship, I, I think it starts from the ground up. Yeah, it does start from the ground up, which is why we're doing One Million by One Million. I really believe that it is grassroots innovation, grassroots entrepreneurship that really yeah. does it. And, and and if you can do it, at, you know, if you have lots of companies bringing up one – just by law of numbers, you're going to either have a lot of mid-sized successes, which is just as valuable as having one big oh, yeah. outlier success. I think if you Absolutely. have a lot of mid-sized successes, that's fine too. I, I agree, and I think that's what people are realizing. You know, yeah. you, you sell a company for twenty-five or thirty or fifty million dollars. That's life-changing money. That's life-changing money, especially in those geographies. That that kind of stuff doesn't happen that often. So it's it's no, huge no, for those kind of no. geographies. Yeah, fantastic. Well, uh, would you like to add anything to uh, this conversation that you would like to convey to our audience? No, I think uh, I guess the one thing I would add: anybody considering uh, doing something like this, starting a seed fund, uh, it all comes down to relationships and the quality of your own personal brand, you know, because you may have cash, but I, I think it just, you do what you say, and you follow through, and you educate people on the need for early stage funding. Uh, be persistent. It takes time. I mean, to get, I will share one thing with you, to get our 
investors in our last fund, I had 938 meetings. Yeah. No, I totally, I'm totally agree. <laughs> this is one thing, you know, week after week at our roundtables, I have a slide that says, if you like what we are doing, bring serious entrepreneurs into the program. And I put serious and bold because, you know, it takes anywhere between seven to ten years to actually build a serious company. So, really you know, and those are the kinds of in, uh, entrepreneurs that we're interested in working with. It really does. And for those founders out there that, that listen, you know, the, the fear and elation you experience every day, uh, the more that you can, uh, I guess, tolerate that, the, the more success you'll have. You know, so yeah. just, it, it's cliche to not give up, but yeah. uh, it's one of those things. Find a mentor, uh, find an investor that believes you and listens with both ears and not one. Um, and, and just then go for it. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Well, thank you, Mark, for uh, your Thanks, comments. Um, folks, please keep listening. I hope you're enjoying these conversations and these views into various types of investing models that are emerging in our industry. The industry has changed. You know, like the last few years have seen the entry of a tremendous number of smaller funds. You see $15 million funds, $30 million funds, $50 million funds, $75 million funds, and that space has really ballooned. There are probably 700 companies operating, firms, VC firms operating in that you know, uh, pre-Series A or small Series A space. And it is very good for small investors, uh, very good for entrepreneurs because you get – lots of different options, but you do need to understand how investors are thinking about investing so that you, you know, if you have a very early stage company, you don't go chasing a billion dollar, billion two fund that is not equipped, structurally equipped to invest in mm -hmm. your company. So try to understand the different nuances of how investors think and how you fit into their, uh, you know, framework. So, and by, by all means, stop by at one of the free roundtables where we offer you free mentoring every week and uh, go to the website, 1mby1m.com, go to free public roundtables, register, and we will look forward to working with you. Thanks for coming today. We'll be back with another edition of the 1 Million by 1 Million podcast.